Hello and welcome to the New School OBGYN podcast, a podcast in women's health, but for everyone. Our goal is to promote good and reliable knowledge because the source of your information matters. My name is Eric Schmidt. I'm a board-certified OBGYN, and today I have with me Ms. Rebecca Fanson. Hi. Welcome back, Becky. Thank you. And please consider downloading and following along. We're on all the major podcast hosts, and check us out on YouTube for the video podcast. Today, we're going to be diving into the first episode in a series of the pelvic floor, and I have Becky with me. Um, Again, Becky, give us a little bit of your background um, before we get started today. Sure. Um, So I did my undergrad at UW-Madison and Marquette University. I have degrees in biomedical sciences and psychology. I did my master's at Johns Hopkins University and obtained a degree in regulatory science. And I'm also a personal trainer, um, certified and also a subsequent certification in prenatal and postnatal fitness. Awesome. So a great background to help us introduce the pelvic floor and why it matters so much. Um, it's been tr- trending a lot on social media mm-hmm. and getting attention, which Finally. is good. Um, but we're just going to go over it um, in kind of a broad overview today and have subsequent episodes uh, to dive further into it. Um, and so Becky, what are we going to talk about today? Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited to start this series with you. Um, but I thought a really good place for us to start would be just explaining, you know, what the pelvic floor actually is, um, and why it's such a vital part of our body. But before we jump into all of that, I just want to share a few statistics with you, um, and just kind of let them marinate and let it just sink in. Um, So a study was conducted in 2018 that showed one in four women experienced some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction, and about 84% of the symptoms that they're experiencing can be alleviated or resolved with pelvic floor physiotherapy. However, 50% of people don't know how to properly work their pelvic floor, which is just, it's crazy, but it's also something that you're not really taught how to do until it's a problem. Um... But then on average, people wait like seven to eight years before seeking help. Wow. That's a long time to wait. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Why is that? Um, Well, a lot of people feel like they're alone in experiencing this dysfunction or it might be too embarrassing to admit or talk about or um, they just keep putting themselves on the back burner and hope that the issue resolves itself. Um, Do you see a lot of that in your practice? Probably every day. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, let's jump into what we're here to talk about, um, the pelvic floor. So as you mentioned earlier, it's generally an area of the body that doesn't receive much attention until it's causing a problem. Um, I do want to note that women and men have pelvic floor, um, but for the purpose of this podcast series, our focus will be on the pelvic floor of those with a vagina. So the muscles of the pelvic floor sit within the pelvic cavity. It kind of creates this nice, strong, springy cradle for our organs that are in that area of the body, and it makes sure that our bodily waste doesn't release before we're ready for that to happen. Um, There are three layers of muscles that attach to the pubic symphysis, which is the front of the pelvis, um, and then the coccyx, which is the tailbone or the back of the pelvis, and our sits bones, which are the sides of the pelvis. And I usually explain these, the way that the pelvic musculature, the pelvic floor musculature is, is that it's more of a a hammock that holds up 
um, and interacts with a lot of different structures around it um, and helps control those openings for, you mentioned, to for the elimination of waste, which mm-hmm. would be the urethra, um, the rectal, the anal sphincter, um, and the vagina. Yeah, um, it's a great analogy. Um, the pelvic floor muscles are a combination of slow twitch and fast twitch muscle fibers. It's a 65-35 split, respectively. Um, and so what, what does that mean? That means it's a combination of these endurance-type muscle fibers, um, which are the slow twitch, um, and then also these strong, quick fibers, um, which are the fast twitch. But it's also not just muscle that's making up our pelvic floor. It's much more sophisticated than just that. Um, it's this network of muscle, nerves, tendons, vasculature, and connective tissue all enmeshed in the pelvis. Um, and the pelvic floor is not alone in its work. It's the foundation for the core four, which is a set of four deep muscles in our abdomen and along our spine. These are stabilizing muscles that help us control control body movement, um, especially with anticipatory movements. Um, they play a role in breathing, abdominal tension, spine, pelvis stabilization, pelvic organ support, continence, and our sexual response. Um, and another really important job that the pelvic floor um, has is being able to yield to allow a baby to pass through during the birthing process. And if you're looking for a way, just if you're curious, um, to remember what it's responsible for, there are the four S's, stability, support, sphincteric, and sexual. And then just um, to give like a little example of how these muscles work together um, when we're exercising. So the pelvic floor is there working with our core four to help support our spine um, and also keep the gates of our bladders and bowels closed while we're exercising. It's not generally a good time for those to stop working. Mm-hmm. Um, a healthy pelvic floor is strong. It has endurance and timing and coordination with the core four, um, and it's got control. And um, you're probably wondering, you know, what what are the core four? I've I've brought yeah. it up a few times. Yeah. Um, so there are the four, um, pelvic floor, diaphragm, transverse abdominis, and the multifidus. And so we've already talked about the pelvic floor and what that is. Um, the diaphragm. So if our pelvic floor is the literal floor of our abdominal cavity, then our diaphragm you can think of as the roof. It's functioning in concert with our lungs and with the pelvic floor. So when we're breathing in, our lungs are expanding in the space, our diaphragm is lengthening, it's moving down, and the pelvic floor is mirroring that. So it's also moving down. When we breathe out, our lungs are contracting, we're getting smaller, and our diaphragm and our pelvic floor also contract and lift. But a common thing that happens with posture or I say it's becoming more common because we tend to have a habit of like slouching forward to look at our phones or our computers. Um, but this can actually affect your pelvic floor negatively. So instead of our diaphragm having all of the space that it needs to expand, 
it doesn't really have that anymore. So we're only breathing into our chest. It's kind of coming up instead of allowing the rib cage to expand outwards. Um, and that is weakening the engagement of our diaphragm and our pelvic floor. Um, and then our transverse abdominis, some people call it the TVA. This is the deepest layer of the abdominal wall. And it, it's acting as this really crucial spine and pelvis stabilizer. And it's also providing us with organ support. When this muscle contracts, um, it's moving towards and away from our spine. And so the big job this muscle has um, when it's working with the pelvic floor is focused on air expulsion. So this is actually something you can test and feel. So if you were to make yourself cough or the next time you sneeze, if you place like a hand on your belly or your sides, you can actually feel that muscle move. It's a sharp little contraction. Um, it doesn't hurt. It's just you, you feel it and sometimes you can physically see that working. Um, and then lastly, there's the multifidus. It is this small muscle that is on both sides of the spine and it's also, it's another stabilizer. So it's helping to provide really good support to the spine and our pelvis. Um, and this muscle works with both the pelvic floor and the TVA. And one thing that we can see with this, if it's not working as it should or being recruited properly, um, is actually back pain. Um, so weakness in this muscle in particular um, can, can cause back pain. And so we can see this like loop of pain and weakness. So if that muscle isn't being recruited properly, you're experiencing pain and it's just going to continue. The weaker it gets, the more pain you get. But then the more pain you get, the less you want to try and move that muscle because it hurts sometimes. Um, so it's another muscle that can be affected by poor posture. But now that we kind of know what the pelvic floor is and why it's so important, I was wondering, Eric, can you walk us through some potential problems that could arise if we start to experience pelvic floor dysfunction? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, you know, the the main categories of, um, you know, these diagnoses of pelvic floor dysfunction, you know, they're multi factorial, but the pelvic floor definitely contributes to things like incontinence. Um, that can be both urinary incontinence and fecal incontinence. Uh, it can contribute to pelvic organ prolapse. Um, this is one of the, you know, I, I see in clinic that patients are the most scared of, um, although inherently it's not dangerous, um, albeit, you know, very disruptive potentially. Um, and the, the, Vaginal vault, we or vaginal canal, we like to think of as um, has different sides to it. There's anterior, or that's what someone might say if they, you know, say their bladder is falling out. Um, posterior, that's the rectal side, and the apical, that's more the top of the vagina or um, cervix um, and uterus. And so those different areas, if weakened, um, and again, multifactorial. So this can happen from a number of different reasons, but one of those reasons potentially could be, you know, pelvic floor, you know, weakening or dysfunction. Um, and often what I see 
in clinic too is is pelvic floor can cause or is one of the sources that you always have to keep in mind when someone's coming in and having uh, pelvic pain um, or painful sex or dyspareunia it's called um, as one of the potential um, you know often I think people come in or people hear you know or you know have their pelvic pain and it you know, it seems like, okay, it must be something like, you know, I have a fibroid or I have endometriosis. That, that must be it. But patients are often quite shocked when, yeah, the, you know, how frequently we diagnose potentially a pelvic floor, um, dysfunction. Um, so, you know, even with the growing recognition of the importance of the pelvic floor, um, many people are surprised and potentially apprehensive when we give that diagnosis in the clinic, um, because it just doesn't, it doesn't, it's not one of those common things like we talked about, um, like a problem with the uterus or a problem with endometriosis or a problem with the bowels. It's not thought of as a common thing, but actually mm-hmm. it can be quite common. Yeah. Um, and so it's good that it's starting to get some rec- re- uh, recognition out there. Uh, it's also good to keep in mind, um, kind of like we talked about with the, the core four mm-hmm. muscles, um, there are a lot of different attachments to the pelvic floor. And the way that the body works is that if something in the body is affected um, negatively, it often that uh, those symptoms can translate over to surrounding organs or structures. Um, and so the pelvic floor can be, or a pelvic floor dysfunction or problem with the pelvic floor can be both a primary, meaning it's a problem with the pelvic floor that's causing that. It's, it's something with the muscles, nerves, tendons of the pelvic floor that's causing the problem. Um, and fixing that will be the, um, the goal, or it can be a secondary disorder. Again, these are different attachments of muscles, um, and, or, you know, other organs in proximity, uh, can inflame or disrupt the pelvic floor leading to the symptoms. And so, um, the treatment will be often directed at fixing that issue, also fixing the pelvic floor. But um, if you just fix, try and treat the pelvic floor, you might, um, that problem might be continuing or, or recurring is what I mean, uh, because there's 28 different muscles that attach to the pelvic floor. Uh, you know, whether someone's having inflammation in their pelvis, whether it's from the uterus, endometriosis, uh, bowel problems, whether it's constipation, diarrhea, inflammation, Crohn's disease, those all translate to the pelvic floor if there's informa- inflammation in um, that area, it'll translate to the pelvic floor because again, it's the pelvic floor is a hammock. Mm -hmm. It's lots, it's holding up a lot of different organs, connecting to a lot of different organs. Um, and so it's in direct contact with a lot of things. Um, and so, yeah, um, all of that is just a very brief overview of the pelvic floor and the different areas that, you know, we'll be getting into in the future and having, um, you know, further experts on on the channel to talk about these things whether it's physiotherapy we even have a very exclusive guest coming on um um, i'm looking at you jamie um to talk about things like incontinence and um pelvic floor prolapse which we talked about earlier the podcast so uh keep following along with us we'll dive further into this in this series along with uh, many of the other different series that we've started so it's gonna be a good one though yeah anything else you want to add um i don't think so i'm gonna save i'm gonna save uh all the other little pearls as you called them for our next episode where we 
maybe unpack a little bit more of the dysfunction side and mm-hmm. yeah sounds good uh, that's it for today's podcast thank you for listening and viewing if you have any questions please let us know in the YouTube comments and have a good day everyone thanks guys <laughs>